1: Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it. We are on the brink of National Signing Day 2.0, the traditional February signing period. And look, we all know December is the bigger deal, the heavier drama, the quantity of big-time decisions, and the true foundation of the recruiting class that we're dealing with. In this case, of course, the class of 2023. However, February 1st, the traditional window is opening and the quality of top level talent set to come off the board is still big enough to shift the very top of your preferred college football recruiting class rankings. We're talking about an elite 11 quarterback, the freakiest athlete in the country, the number one tight end in the country, the fastest rising offensive tackle in the country and the nation's Leading sacker, all expected to come off the board on February 1st. So, not as much drama, but still high end drama going into National Signing Day 2023. Of course, this is the state of recruiting, and we're here to dig into that very concept digging into the feel, the vibes, the buzz going into that National Signing Day as certain programs look to bolster their class of 2023, and our show will focus, as usual, at the very top, as schools like Georgia, Oregon, Maryland, South Carolina, Penn State look to finish Miami, look to finish well on the recruiting trail. I'm your host, John Garcia Jr. If you haven't joined our show before, welcome. This is a great time to dig into the state of recruiting where we break down college football recruiting from the traditional sense and the modern sense all simultaneously of course a part of the cfb nation family whether you are watching via youtube or listening via apple podcast spotify wherever you are consuming first of all thank you second of all please rate like subscribe and share because it's not just recruiting you get here at CFB Nation, you're getting the, left, the Lucky Lefty podcast. You're getting the College Football All-America podcast. And, of course, all the elite, objective Notre Dame talk at Irish Breakdown. Again, all of it for free.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Let's dig into the very top of this conversation. And I'm not going based on some recruiting ranking or or some list. If we're talking about the most dramatic elements going into National Signing Day, how could the conversation not begin with Jaden Rashada? By now, you have heard plenty of the Pittsburgh, California native and blue chip quarterback recruit. One-time Miami commitment one-time Florida commitment, signs with Florida in December, and now infamously, I would say, backs off of that national letter of intent and requests a release from the University of Florida, which was granted. Now, the why, that's for y'all to decide. That's for y'all to dig into. NIL was a part of it. There's no doubt that NIL was a part of it. But I would say, again, as, as we've talked about on previous shows, had more to do with the adults than Jaden Rashada himself on both sides of this thing, the Rashada camp and and certainly from the University of Florida perspective. But either way, he's been released from that National Letter of Intent, and he's had a couple of weekends to take some visits and reestablish what his future in college football could look like. And what's interesting about this Rashada situation is that The previous contenders, as he was going into that summer decision, June-July decision, initially when he picked Miami, those contenders are all out of the mix. None of those programs have a fighting chance today, as far as we understand, for Rashada, based on his visits. Now, schools have kicked the tires, right? Washington, Colorado with Deion Sanders. South Carolina has reportedly made a few phone calls, but in terms of the contenders, Rashada was considering, of course, Miami, Florida, LSU, Texas A&M, Cal, and some others, but the schools that he's actually looking at right now, going into the month of February, are the last two he's visited. He was at Arizona State two weekends ago, and he was at TCU This past weekend, both schools in need of a quarterback prospect in the class of 2023. Both schools looking for new starters heading into the fall of 2023. And, of course, both schools under relatively new management. Kenny Dillingham, brand new, newly hired head coach at Arizona Arizona State. Sonny Dykes coming off of year one at TCU. And what a year one it was, of course, rolling all the way to the national championship so jane rashada took in both of these visits and there is similar buzz i would say coming out of asu and tcu now i think from a relationship standpoint there's an advantage towards arizona state kenny dillingham was one of the offensive coordinators he connected with most throughout his recruitment dillingham was of course at oregon during the 2022 season and uh had a heck of a run in in Quarterback recruiting, right? They landed Dante Moore, the number one quarterback in the country for my fake dollars. Um, But Jaden Rashada was absolutely in that conversation and the Ducks were high on his list at one point. So that relationship with Dillingham uh, is well-established and they got to rekindle it, refresh it, revitalize it at Arizona State, where look, it's a total overhaul. It is certainly a, a starting from nothing Concept, right? Uh, all of the issues with the NCAA and violations under Herm Edwards, and then an on field product that left a lot to be desired for a team in Arizona. And of course, just the roster turnover that comes with it total overhaul in that type of situation. But look, Jaden was committed to Miami before Mario Cristobal coached his first game, and he flipped to Florida before Billy Napier's first season came to a conclusion. So, Jaden has long shown that he is willing and ready to deal with a turnaround, a rebuild, a rebrand, whatever you want to call it. He is willing to dig his heels in in that regard. So Arizona State offers that connection to Dillingham, a modern offense, that Rashada fits pretty well, I I would say, uh, as a big-time arm and a big-time pocket passer with mobility. But then TCU offers something different, right? This is a, a ready-made program where Jaden will surely sit. And look, Rashad will sit at Arizona State. Yeah, they brought in Drew Pine from Notre Dame in the transfer portal. Uh, so most likely the job is his. At TCU, he would definitely sit as well, right? Because Chandler Morris was the quarterback one before Max Duggan took over in 2022. Uh, a lot of folks don't remember that Duggan lost that quarterback battle. This this time last year, and he was QB two coming out of camp, and of course uh, Morris gets hurt. Duggan takes the gig and, and runs away with it thereafter. So now Morris is is back at, at QB one for Sunny Dykes. Great fit there, and TCU is expected to at least remain relatively similar offensively in scheme, not so much in personnel. Right, Duggan, Johnston, those guys are gone. I think even Keandre Miller de- declared for the NFL draft, so it will look and feel very different in TCU. But again, a good quarterback-friendly system for Jaden Rashada. And they've got the recency bias, right? It was the most recent trip Jaden took. We know in that original verbal commitment, there was a lot of Florida buzz. He pushes his recruitment back a week, visits Miami, and Miami ended up being the school that won out for his initial verbal commitment. So in this scenario, you know every visit and the most recent visit has some, some credence. Uh, so I think TCU has a slight edge over Arizona state going into this. And obviously from a program standpoint, it's been proven what Sonny Dykes can do there. It's stable. The talent, the level of talent going to Fort worth is simply stronger uh, than Arizona. Although the quantity going to Arizona state is massive. They've got uh, the biggest transfer class in America at last check. Uh, So it'll feel and look very different at ASU beyond that new and assembled coaching staff. Here's the other thing with Rashada, though. The timeline. Is he 100% coming off the board on signing day? He's already made one signature. Uh, That's the other X factor in this thing. If if he delays, can Colorado or South Carolina or one of these other schools that has reportedly reached out, maybe Washington, could they become involved for Jaden Rashada later rather than sooner? Because if you're Jaden, what's the rush? You're done with high school. You were expected to enroll at Florida the first week of January. So you're done with high school, you've got time to make this decision, and there might not be any rush. Uh, There's certainly no other high school quarterback that can match Jaden from a talent perspective that is still also uncommitted and unsigned, uh, unless somebody else, of course, asks out of their national letter of intent. So Jaden Rashada, very much in the news and our starting point today on the state of recruiting. Let's switch gears to the defensive side of the ball, at least in principle and projection, with Nicholas Harbour. Let's switch sports. Let's switch sides of the country. The Washington, D.C. native that you've surely gotten at least a glimpse of via social media at a minimum is still on the board. He is for sure signing on February 1st, and this one is just as interesting. Um, Just came off of a visit. To the University of Oregon, and my goodness, everything I'm hearing about the Ducks is positive relative to Nicholas Harbor. The visit was absolutely, according to some sources of mine, absolutely outlined and tailor-made for him in that, of course, he spent a lot of time with Dan Lanning and company. Of course, he spent a lot of time with the track and field staff in Eugene, the academic staff in Eugene. That's kind of standard, right, status quo. But I was told there are other elements that were very much sold to Harbor relative to why Oregon is unique relative to other companies, whether it's Nike, uh, track, shoes. The whole thing, I was told, was very much personalized in the pitch to Harbor. Uh, He's been to Eugene before. He joked about uh, the clean air. On, on that campus and in that part of the country relative to growing up in, in, in the city like Washington, DC uh, he lights up talking Oregon. And that was before he really took a true prospect visit there. And then you throw on the fact that, look, this is 48 hours on the school's dime and Nicholas Harbor's the only official visitor at Oregon this, this past weekend. So my goodness, could you even imagine what that looks and feels like. You talk about a red carpet. That might be an understatement in this case. And it has a lot of folks in our industry wondering, can Oregon do it again? They have swung for the fences and landed prospects seemingly at the 11th hour throughout this class of 2023, right? They flipped Austin Novosad right before National Signing Day or on National Signing Day after a year-long commitment to the Baylor Bears. They grabbed Peyton Bowen in the most shocking decision of of early signing day. Of course, that changed hands after that point as well. But Oregon has splashed about as well as any program relative to the traditional elite schools, right? The the Georgias, the Bamas, the Ohio States. Relative to those schools, Oregon has splashed about as much as anybody. Can they do it again? A buzzer beater type of recruiting win. For Nicholas Harbor, when programs like South Carolina and Michigan and Maryland, the, the local school, have all hosted him more, have all built in longer term relationships compared to Oregon, can the Ducks pull it off? It does. It's always felt like a two or three team race for Harbor going into this one. It was more of a Maryland, South Carolina, Michigan deal. Coming out of it, we're still hearing Miami is trying to pull off the unthinkable a recruiting victory without an official visit or any prospect visit. Nicholas Harbor himself has not been to Coral Gables throughout this process. So you talk about the Ducks swinging for the fences and and making that buzzer beater. If Miami wins out, this is a full court buzzer beater with one hand while getting fouled. This is unthinkable from a recruiting standpoint, could Harbor end up at the U. But coming out of this weekend, it feels like Oregon has moved into, at worst, the runner-up spot. I think South Carolina's confidence has remained the most consistent of all the schools recruiting him. Michigan has been there as well. The academic element, I think, is, is special there relative to some other schools. But the Jim Harbaugh stuff won't go away. How, how does Nick feel about that element? Literally, first thing this morning on January 31st, I saw a report of Harbaugh meeting with the Denver Broncos. So, this NFL flirtation is seemingly never ending up in Ann Arbor. How does that affect things at the final pen meeting paper moment for Harbor? You know, so I, I think South Carolina and Oregon are starting to feel like. The safest bets in this recruitment. Miami would be a a downright shocker. Michigan and Maryland would be relatively surprising at this point for Harbor. Again, 6'5", 230, Washington, D.C., football, track, tight end, receiver, pass rusher. He can do a little bit of everything, and he wants to be a surgeon on top of that. So Harbor, I'm looking at the Gamecocks and the Ducks, So birds of a feather are going to win this recruitment in all likelihood. Just not sure which one at this moment. You know, there's drama with big time prospects. If we haven't even talked about the number one tight end in America at this point, that's Deuce Robinson coming out of the state of Arizona, uh, a two sport guy, just like Harbor baseball, a big, big deal for Robinson. If you think Nicholas Harbor is an elite athlete in both sports, Robinson is in that same category uh, and nearly the same size, six, six or so baseball's a big deal. There's, is, there's is buzz. I saw a report from uh, my buddy, Blair Angulo of 24, seven sports who said there's still buzz about him being a first round pick this summer in baseball. What if that happens? You know, that independent of football, that's a very big deal. Everybody wants the next Aaron judge. And this kid looks like it. But from a football standpoint, Deuce has been in an evaluation mode for some time. There was some buzz about a late visit. It didn't happen. It's truly been about splitting these hairs between Georgia and USC. I I think Texas, uh, Oregon, a couple other schools have have tried to stay in the hunt. And and certainly they hope uh, Robinson pushes his decision back. You know, last month he told us, "Look, I'm I'm not locked in on a on a February first date. Um, if he's not ready, he's not going to pop. I mean, that's that's from Deuce himself. Another source close to him has confirmed as much as w- with me as recently as this weekend. If Deuce isn't ready, he's not coming off the board. And there is a sense that it's very close between Georgia and USC. USC, the longtime favorite. Georgia, the more recent favorite." the most recent official visit between the two programs and you could understand the appeal both sides right um west coast kid big time pass catcher what usc has done under under lincoln riley reigning heisman trophy winner and caleb williams who has already thrown and worked out and vibed with deuce robinson we saw it with our own eyes last summer you understand the appeal hey go catch passes from the reigning heisman winner and and Figure it out after that with another guy you're familiar with maybe in in Malachi Nelson. That appeal speaks for itself, right? USC, uh, obviously big-time L.A. market, going to the Big Ten at some point. I mean, all of that is somewhat appealing if you're the number one tight end in the country. And I believe Robinson is the unanimous number one tight end in the country, and rightfully so. Uh, We we broke him down recently on CFB Nation uh, with with Brian Driscoll and myself. Go check out that video. Uh, We watched the tape on Deuce the polish, the size, the speed, the hands, the body control. He's a rare player in that he's a potential first-round pick in baseball, and he's a potential, we think, first-round pick type in football as well, as opposed to Harbor, where on, on the track, he's already there. He's already that guy. In football, a little bit more developmental. We broke down both of those guys on CFB Nation. So go check that out on our YouTube channel. Again, all of it is free. So go check it out anyway. So you understand from Deuce Robinson's perspective, the appeal of USC, staying on the West Coast, all those things. But if you're a tight end and Georgia wants you, over the last few years, how could you not consider that as maybe the most stable tight end situation, at least in terms of getting the football you know i think notre dame iowa stanford a bunch of programs have done very well at the tight end position over a very long period of time but in terms of getting the football and even distributing it to multiple tight ends i would say georgia could be in the best spot nationally in that regard so you understand after watching another west coaster and and brock bowers go to georgia and tear things up and win a national title in his first two years at georgia going and, and seeing. A massive fellow Arizona, or excuse me, a fellow West Coast native in Darnell, Washington, who's from Nevada, go and win national titles as a big combo tight end, blocker, receiver, and everything, ahead of being an early round projection. I've even seen him mocked in the first round of of April's NFL draft. How could you not consider what Georgia's done at the position? Now I will say we talked about with 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 Nicholas Harbor, how Jim Harbaugh's rumors with the NFL are a potential detractor for that program. It it should be noted, Todd Monken, the offensive coordinator at Georgia, is supposed to interview with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. I believe he had an interview with another program last week. So the guy who has orchestrated this tight end revolution in Athens has some NFL flirtations as well. So you can understand both sides. Robinson wanting to get it done and coming off the board, maybe to USC or Georgia, or pushing things back and letting the dust settle with Monkin, letting the pitch come full circle with an Oregon or a Texas, which has also tried to stay in this race. But if he comes off the board Wednesday, I like Georgia slightly over USC. Uh, At last check, Georgia was confident in landing one or two tight end prospects come National Signing Day, so hard to count them out especially at the position. Let's stay on the tight end front while we while we can, right? Because if George is going to go through signing day without a tight end, it'd be a shocker because they're not only in on the number one tight end and Deuce Robinson, they're also in on the number two available tight end, unless you consider Harbor a tight end. Even if you do, Walker Lyons is the number two most polished tight end in this class of 23. That's available come february 1st and his options are pretty interesting as well uh very much national very much by coastal just like it is for harbor and deuce robinson lions is a former stanford commitment of course uh folsom california native uh who wanted to play for david shaw understandably right again we just talked about tight end production and stanford's been among the four or five best over the last decade or so in the academics and the degree speaks for itself I don't have to explain that one at all, but David Shaw is no longer at Stanford. He, of course, resigned, and that offense will be, that whole scheme will be totally different under Coach Taylor, who comes up from Sacramento State. Okay, Stanford still technically under consideration, but there's a feel that Lions has has moved on. There's a feel that if he ends up in the Pac-12, it's probably more of a Utah deal, uh, which has also done very well. Dalton Kincaid uh, just wrapped up a really great career up in Salt Lake City. Then there's USC, which is kind of flirting with the whole Robinson Lions dynamic. If we don't get Deuce and he goes to Georgia, let's pull Walker Lions. But then, of course, Georgia is right in the thick of it as well. There is at one point in the last week where a source in Athens told me Georgia expects to land both deuce robinson and walker lyons an embarrassment of riches in athens uh but look they've they've done it in the past they've done it in the past at multiple positions and again with the recent tight end history under todd monken who could blame them who could blame these tight ends for wanting to be the next brock bowers and darnell washington although georgia has stacked it up in multiple classes here they've got oscar delp on the roster Pierre Sperling is a young star, a hybrid type of of a pass catcher that's going to line up at tight end. The stable is full and well in Athens, but you cannot pass up a Deuce Robinson. And Walker Lyons profiles as a different type of prospect. Not only that he's a balanced inline tight end, but he's also a member of the LDS Church. So he will go, to my understanding, on a Mormon mission and miss uh, the next year or so. He's also coming off of an injury, so he needs he needs that time. So he's effectively a class of 2024, or maybe even a class of 2025 recruit. But he's still coming off the board. He's still a big deal. He's still a blue chipper who, uh, my gosh, go look at his junior tape. If there wasn't a Deuce Robinson in this class, you could make a very, very strong argument that Walker Lyons – would have been the top tight end in the country. So he's still on the board, former Stanford commitment. I think if he ends up in the Pac-12, it's a Utah-USC deal, but there's the Georgia Bulldogs looming just like they are for Deuce Robinson. I think the bigger surprise would be if Georgia strikes out at tight end in this cycle going forward. They've already landed some, but if they don't land a Deuce Robinson or a Walker Lions, I would be surprised because, again, less than a week ago, a Georgia native and source told me, hey, they think they're getting both. So uh, Georgia usually doesn't miss on those kind of recruits because, look, they're the back-to-back defending national champions. Kirby Smart is a as good a head coach recruiter as there is. And, again, Todd Monken, particularly uh, one of the best offensive coordinators in the country and has utilized that tight end position quite well. So we'll see. What those NFL rumors could potentially do to those recruitments at the tight end spot, USC could stand to benefit from one or both of those, depending on how these decisions come into play. So fascinating on the tight end front. So we've talked quarterbacks with Jaden Rashada, freaky two-way stars like Nicholas Harbour, and of course, tight ends, Deuce Robinson and Walker Lyons. What about the trenches? What about the traditional trenches? trenches? The, the highest ranked or most coveted, which is more important than rankings, the most coveted undeclared offensive tackle is also one of the fastest risers. Maryland native Chimdi Ono, a basketball player turned offensive tackle, six foot five, 275 pounds. Go watch the tape here. The movement skills are crazy. He's a very good basketball player and he plays offensive tackle like that. The movement skills are very good. He's got some finishing power. Obviously, he needs to fill out his frame, but it's something a lot of programs have been willing to bet on recently. Oh no. Looking at four schools down the stretch, he took official visits to all four between December and January. Very much a Big Ten feel in this one. Penn State, Michigan State, Rutgers, and this past weekend, he was at Ole Miss. So if there's a contrarian theme, it, it would be an Ole Miss battle uh, for Lane Kiffin. However, kids from Maryland, he took those initial three OVs to Big Ten country, and no disrespect to Rutgers here, but this has felt, even before that Ole Miss visit this weekend, this has felt like a Penn State, Michigan State kind of deal. Uh, Liked both trips, likes both schemes. Um, This is close. This is very close. We don't know how much that Ole Miss visit has put a dent into things, but there's really, from any angle, there's really not – something tangible pulling chimney ono to oxford mississippi there is a sense that he stays in big ten country but the kid doesn't say a whole lot so i will give it to him in that regard he does not say a whole lot so i do think there is some drama and intrigue and an unknown element going into this verbal commitment which will come february 1st he is confirmed uh, i believe an early afternoon decision at his school uh, at last check this weekend, Chimney told me he was not decided. He had not privately made that decision. So this could be a photo finish. So however we want to read into that, seems possible, right? Do we say, hey, Ole Miss took a late shot and and it worked? Do we say, look, that Penn State-Michigan State dynamic was was really heavy on him going into this final visit, and it's still in that almost coin flip level um you know Penn State maybe with a slight edge 51 49 going into signing day uh and that's very perception based I, I would say um but we don't know until we know Michigan State has pulled off some stunners over the last few recruiting cycles under Mel Tucker as well so Chimdi Ono very much a prospect to keep an eye on cuz look everybody needs A left tackle. Everybody needs that developmental tackle that in two or three years is looking at an all conference type resume. Um, And a lot of folks believe Ono could be that guy. And look, I'm a fan of his story, right? A kid who bet on himself. Two, three months ago, this kid's committed to Old Dominion. No disrespect to the Monarchs. He's committed to Old Dominion and he's going to sign in December. And that's kind of it. But the school started calling in December right before signing day visits offers, new opportunities. He took the OV to Rutgers mid-December, and he was like, look, if I don't sign, I might have more opportunity in January. And that's exactly how it's gone down for Chimdi Ono, who is now going to play in either the Big Ten or the SEC on the offensive line. Hello? I mean, if, if you draw it up and say, hey, I'm constructing an offensive lineman. I want him to play among the best or against the best. No disrespect to the Pac-12, the independents, the Big 12, the ACC, you're probably drawing it up for the Big 10 and or SEC first. And that is where Ono will play his college football. So shout out to him for betting on himself, trusting his rise, and for these programs kind of shooting their shot late in the game. Chimney Ono will be a fascinating get for someone come Wednesday. So those are the biggest names, the five biggest names we're tracking and the feel, not a prediction, but the feel going into National may Jaden Rashada, TCU slightly over Arizona State. Nicholas Harbor, man. South Carolina, Oregon, slightly over Michigan and Maryland. Deuce Robinson, if he comes off the board, he's the one that could push it. Compared to all these guys, he's the one that could push it further into the spring. But if he comes off the board Wednesday, Slight Georgia advantage over USC, but that USC buzz is tangible. Texas and Oregon on the outside looking in. Walker Lions, another tight end. Again, Georgia buzz is heavy there. Utah might have a better advantage over USC if he does want to stay in Pac 12 country. Chim De Ono, Big 10 country, likely the destination there. Penn State over Michigan State. Ole Miss, we don't know how well that visit went here at the 11th hour. So, Five huge decisions to track uh, on February first. Let, let's sprinkle in a, f- a few more, right? There's there's a couple other guys uh, that are worth mentioning. Look for Maryland fans. If it doesn't work out with Nicholas Harbor or your 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 local recruit Chimney Ono, I do still think you're going to get good news. I think the Harris twins from Orlando, former UCF commitments, there is true buzz for Maryland. From even I was, it came to my inbox before they decommitted from UCF. Uh, So the Harris twins, Under Armour All-Americans, that could be a great get for a great couple of gets for Mike Loxley and company. Um, Jamel Howard, another guy who bet on himself. Pre-signing day, Wisconsin commitment under that previous coaching staff. Michigan made a run at him, and it looked like it would come down to one of those two schools if he signed on December 21st. He did not. And that thing opened up geographically. Miami just hosted him for the last official visit. LSU hosted him the week prior. Ole Miss was trying to host the 320-pound defensive lineman from Illinois. So this thing became wide open in the Jamel Howard sweepstakes. And, of course, Wisconsin, where he was committed, is presented totally differently right now under Luke Fickle. So does he end up in Big Ten country or – do that? Does that Southern pull and those last two official visits get him down to Baton Rouge or Coral Gables? There is a sense that the safest bet is Big Ten country. I think Wisconsin and Michigan make the most sense. But if he goes south, LSU's got some confidence here. And you don't count out Mario Cristobal, especially with a visit. I mean, heck, they're going to have a hat on the table for Nicholas Harbor without a visit, right? So if they get the last official visit, you don't sleep on uh the miami hurricanes and speaking of south floridians let's go to the muck to to close out today's show because this is a prospect who we heard of about a year ago and then it got quiet around his name for some time but it has popped back up at the 11th hour and wow what a senior year dj holmes put together 32 and a half sacks ladies and gentlemen did you hear that number 32 and a half sacks coming out of Pahokee High School in the muck, as they say, in uh, kind of mid South Florida. South Florida to me is Dave Broward, Palm Beach, but you go a little bit more north, you're in the muck. Uh, that is where a lot of great, legendary players have come from the Anquan Boldens, the Edger and Jameses of the world. DJ Holmes is a cousin to Anquan Bolden and got permission to wear his retired. Number six, Pahokee Jersey. So he had a lot of pressure going into it, but man, 50-plus sacks over the last two seasons, setting the school record, 32-and-a-half as a senior, and he's another one. Bet on himself by not signing in December, took it into January, and now February, and he's going to have a lot of options. Colorado, Ole Miss, which got the last visit and could be the favorite, involved Cincinnati is involved here and of course a couple in-state schools with ucf and usf don't count out the bulls with kevin patrick on staff so dj holmes a name to know late in the game the nation's leading sacker and we don't even talk about him very much right so that is that is i think a good feel for the quality not the quantity but the quality still available going into this traditional national signing day so To recap, we expect some fireworks come Wednesday. Georgia is in position to splash. Oregon could be in a position to splash. What about USC? What about the Big Ten? Penn State, Michigan has a lot at stake here. Should be a very fun, don't count out Miami, for some recruits late in the game as well. So coast to coast, a lot to get excited about for the traditional National Signing Day. Does Deuce Robinson come off the board? I'm I'm curious about that. Does Cormani McClain, the number one corner, sign and follow through with that Colorado Buffalo's verbal commitment and that flip from Miami? Does that become pen to paper on Wednesday? Or could there be more drama in that regard? Fascinating stuff to break down. And we will, of course, be right back with a fresh and free state of recruiting for you right when the National Signing Day dust settles very late Wednesday into Thursday morning. So be on the lookout for that. Again, follow, like, subscribe, share, retweet, Facebook, Instagram, CFB Nation, and the family of podcasts here all about college football from every single angle. Whether you're team-specific, recruiting-specific, overarching, we cover it all at CFB Nation. Please check it out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you consume audiovisual college football content. Again, I'm your host, John Garcia, Jr. We appreciate you listening. Happy end of January. Happy National Signing Day. It's still a holiday in my world, so let's dig into it. God bless. Garcia, out.